0: Amen. Uh, It is always a joy to have the young ladies lead, because I really love to lead, but uh, to let them lead um, and grow is awesome. So um, again, my name is Wally. I'm the lead pastor here uh, with the non-tech Sunday. Uh, Today is going to be an awesome day. Uh, We continue our Go series, which is based out of the Great Commission at the end of Matthew. The end of Matthew 28, Jesus calls the disciples back up on the mountain in Galilee, possibly maybe even the same mountain that he preached the Sermon on the Mount to them on. And he says, therefore, go and make all disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And that's what we've done the last few weeks. Uh, the first week we talked about John the Baptist. Uh, Walter got to preach on um, the rich young ruler. And then last week I was going to look up and I totally forgot. What did he preach on last week, those of you? Huh? Okay, Legion. I should have remembered that because that's a great story with the pigs and everything. Um, today we're going to look at Zacchaeus. And before we dig into Zacchaeus, I want to talk about Parades. When I grew up, I grew up in Canton, Ohio, which was the home of the Football Hall of Fame, which I have a glorious picture of right here on my screen that you guys can't see. Um, Every year, when I was young, my Aunt Kay would get us up at 4 a.m., and we would go get seats right across from the Burger King on the corner of uh, West Tusk and uh, I think it was Main Street. And we would sit there in the chill of the morning from 4 o'clock until the parade started at 10. She'd normally buy us sandwiches or whatever the sandwich Burger King had back then. And we would take in the parade. And it was glorious. We, we loved doing it. Fast forward a few years till I become a parent. Now, how many of you have ever been to Silver Bells in the City? Okay. Those of you that who you and I are not friends today. How many of you love Silver Bells in the City? see, here's the thing. When my daughter was, she was in a stroller, and we went early because that's what I learned from my Aunt Kay. You go early to get a good seat, and we parked right on that roundabout where they put the three Christmas balls right now. We had a perfect prime spot. My daughter in her stroller, she could see everything, and over the next two hours, people crowded around us and crowded in front of us to the point where my wife almost punched a lady. Uh, I'm not kidding. She was, and it was the last, well, I've had to go to Silver Bells two other times, but I swore I would only go if I had to because crowds, uh, as I get older, crowds are, are not my thing. And it's in this story of Zacchaeus that we get a crowd moment. Jesus is on his way as we've been reading. He set his eyes on Jerusalem and he is headed there. And to get there, he has to pass through Jericho. At this point, three years into his, into his ministry, anywhere Jesus goes, he draws a crowd. People that want to bring their family members who need healed, or people that just want to see the commotion, or the Pharisees, the Pharisees and the Sadducees that just want to be around so they possibly can trip him up and take him out like they've been talking about since the first time they encountered him. And it's in... Jericho, that this crowd is coming through as Jesus is heading Jerusalem. And there's Zacchaeus. Uh, Let's read the scripture. I had a beautiful video of Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Seriously. This afternoon, go to YouTube and, and YouTube, search for Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and watch. I wasn't going to show the 1995 puppet version, which was really weird and creepy, But I had this other one where Zacchaeus sort of floated up into the tree. It was awesome. So this is how the story starts. Jesus entered Jericho, and he was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. Zacchaeus was not loved by anybody in Jericho. He was a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. Being a tax collector meant that he was in cahoots with Rome. He made a bid to take up tolls, uh, possibly uh, entrance fees to certain places. If you bought certain things, there were tariffs on them. It was stuff like that. And because he was taxed by the Roman government to do this, he sort of had free reign. And if you bought apples that day and he wanted to tax you an extra two or three denarii or whatever, he could do that because he was the tax man. And so nobody liked tax people. Even worse, he's the chief one, so he's over probably the majority of the tax collectors in Jericho. And, and who knows? He may be part of the guild. As I studied this, I wondered if Zacchaeus somewhere in his tax collecting days knew Matthew, who was called by Jesus three years earlier up in Galilee. We can't really make that leap, so I had to leave it to the side. Uh, Even more, um, more interesting, Zacchaeus, the name Zacchaeus is another Hebrew way to say the word Zechariah, which means innocent and pure. And so here Luke has showed us this guy whose name means innocent and pure, who is anything But. It says in verse 3, chapter 19, He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed in a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And I can relate to Zacchaeus. He showed up to the parade early to get the prime seat to see Jesus. Uh, Scholars think because it says here that he is a wee little man, as the song says, that he was looked down upon simply because of his physical appearance. If you had a birth defect back in that day, if you were short, it was seen that it was carried over sin from your family in some way. That's why uh, the blind people, uh, the blind person that Jesus heals, where they call in his mom and dad to ask, if this is your son who was born blind before, um, it was seen as a carryover of sin. And so there's a specific phrase, I wrote it down with With the pronunciation guide, physiognomy means if you have some sort of defect, you're worthless to that society. So here Zacchaeus is a tax collector, unloved by anybody because he's in cahoots with the Romans and he's overcharging people and cheating people. He's short, which makes him even more sinful, drawn to Jesus, so much so that he risks what little dignity he has, even though he's a tax collector, to climb up in a tree to see Jesus. I don't know. Maybe there are other people that have climbed up in the tree to see Jesus, but he's climbed up in a tree, and I had this perfect, beautiful picture of a sycamore fig tree that is ginormous. It's glorious. You should come up here. It's got a little box around a lady that's standing that's really, really tiny. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe at second service, the projector will be back, and you can watch the live stream. Um, So he climbs up in this tree and he's waiting on Jesus. Verse five. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he, Zacchaeus, came down at once and welcomed him gladly. That Jesus noticed this odd person isn't out of the ordinary we've seen jesus pause and notice people all along the way just before this when uh the blind beggar is crying out as jesus is coming through he's like son of david and the people tell him hey you be quiet don't disturb jesus jesus hears him and calls out to him uh The passage where Jesus is walking through the crowd and the woman who's been bleeding for 13 years or whatever it is reaches out and touches the tassel on his garment and he stops and says, who touched me in the crowd? Jesus is always catching those that want to be caught. And so Jesus stops and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to stay at your house today. Which scholars think, Probably means, hey, I'm going to come to your house, you're going to feed me a meal, and I'm going to stay there for the evening. Um, pretty bold move. I, I wouldn't walk up to a stranger and say, hey, uh, you and the Meyer checkout, I'm going to come and stay at your house tonight, you're going to feed me. That's totally, really, imagine how, one, crazy you would look if you did that, and two, you would probably be pretty selective of the person you asked that question to. I'm just being honest. I would, because you could get in some really weird, precarious situations. So Jesus walks up and says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to eat at your house. Come down. And Zacchaeus joyfully climbs down and is welcoming him gladly. But alas, the crowd. Verse 7, all the people saw this, and they began to mutter. He has gone to be a guest in the house of a sinner. And if there were like this were an old 1940s movie everybody'd be like, "Oh, because for Jesus to go to a sinner's house makes him unclean and we know that this is the week before Passover he is heading into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover and if we know anything about being a good Jew, a good Israel person, it's always about staying clean so that you can enter into God's presence so that you can worship him. And again, this is Jesus' MO. All the time we see him encountering people who have leprosy or who are blind and touching them and engaging with them. Uh, Just because my brain is racing right now. Uh, One of the blind people says, Jesus, I want to see. And Jesus spits in the ground and wipes mud on his eye. Jesus made him unclean, even though he was already unclean because he was blind, but he made him unclean because Jesus put his spit on him. So, Jesus is like, he, he's, a, he's just out of control, doing things that make the religious people crazy. And that it says, all of the people saw and began to mutter, makes me wonder, who was in this crowd? If it's people following Jesus, They should find joy that he's engaging with this sinner. Right? But for some reason, they're frustrated. And so Zacchaeus, and and scholars say the next sentence is sort of fuzzy because it says that Zacchaeus welcomed him gladly in the verse before. So is Zacchaeus standing at the base of the tree? He hears the crowd do this, and this is his response? Or do they take a few steps and walk towards his house, and this is his response? Regardless... Zacchaeus hears the crowd and the judgment that they give him and this is his response. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Jesus, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody, which you have because you're a tax collector, I will pay back four times the amount and because he's working for the Romans, I'm sure he has some logbook in some way, shape, or form where he knows and he can do that. So, when I read this passage, I think a couple stories back, a second week of the Go series, Walter talked about the rich young ruler who came in, in his robes. He's probably a Pharisee or some type of leader in the church And he questions Jesus, hey, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. What's the second greatest commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. You are very wise, Jesus says to him. Now one more thing I challenge you to do. Go and give up all your possessions to the poor. And what's the rich young ruler do? The Pharisee, the one who should know the right thing to do, he walks away sad because he can't do it. Here Zacchaeus is, the worst of the worst. He knows he's a sinner. He's short. He's probably been ridiculed his whole life. The crowd is even chastising him right now. And he says, Lord, I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. And in what's left, I'm going to pay back four times to everybody that I've wronged. Which if you read Leviticus about, what was it, Leviticus 6, if you care and you want to go back and read, um, yeah, Leviticus 6.5, if you stole from somebody, you're supposed to, to be right with God, give back what you stole, plus a fifth, or 20%. And here, Zacchaeus is saying, I'm going to give back what I stole, plus 400%. Um, You wonder how long Zacchaeus has been drawn to Jesus at this point. You know, we talked about John the Baptist three weeks ago, and when John the Baptist was out in the wilderness baptizing people, it says that the whole town came out, tax collectors, Pharisees, soldiers, and they were asking John the Baptist about what to do when John the Baptist said, repent and be baptized and live a life that bears fruit worthy of your repentance. And I wonder if Zacchaeus maybe had gone out into the wilderness to hear that. Obviously, he knows other tax collectors. Jesus is ridiculed all the time for hanging out with prostitutes and tax collectors. And so I would assume maybe along the way, somebody in his guild of tax collectors has interacted with Jesus and talked about how gracious and loving he is, and somewhere, someway, Zacchaeus has interacted with Jesus in a non-confrontational way, and here when Jesus confronts him, I'm going to give away half what I have, plus I'm going to make right all the wrong that I did. That's a pretty amazing thing. Um, For somebody that deep and lost... To respond that quickly and in a few moments we're just going to kick around that. Are are we anywhere where Zacchaeus is or are we more like the rich young ruler as God forgives our sins and calls us to move forward? This sermon has nothing but hard questions and I don't have any good answers so we're just going to let that hang and we'll allow your brain to digest that. Verse 9 Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, Zacchaeus's house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost, which he has said to the Pharisees at least two or three times previous to when they're giving him grief for going and hanging out with tax collectors and prostitutes. Salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus, because of what he has said and the heart change that he is having, is found pure. Just like his name. In that statement, he is a son of Abraham. Even though he was short and criticized and thought to be sinful and unworthy of the title of a son of Abraham, meaning a descendant of Abraham, meaning a part of the Jewish society, which interestingly, there's so many threads from the sermon I preached a few weeks ago. John the Baptist, as he's engaging with the crowd and the Pharisees are sort of standing there with their hands tucked in their robes, not budging to be baptized or listen to anything John the Baptist says. John the Baptist, if you remember, looks at the rocks and says, God could take these rocks and raise up new sons of Abraham, meaning you all who are being stubborn, and not listening are not in, these rocks could be raised up. And here Jesus is saying, this short person, this tax collector, this chief tax collector is a son of Abraham. He's been saved. So the question is, how do we react to this story? And so this is where you come in because I know how I'm reacting to it, but it's up to you of how you react. Are you Zacchaeus? Uh, Do you need to have that face-to-face Jesus moment where you hear your sins are forgiven? Uh, Maybe... You're the rich young ruler and you need to hear that again so that you can respond rightly. Um, We're going to head into our response time. And if that's you, find somebody in a blue lanyard. Uh, I know Mike Lakeley will be back at that table. Uh, Some of the elders are around. Um, But have that moment. Deal with it so that you can move on to be like Jesus and go. Maybe you're a part of the crowd, and this is where I would put myself. Sometimes, this is this is this is awful. Are we getting in the way? Because crowds get in the way. We can be pious, and we can live our godly life, and we can do everything we feel that is right, sort of like the Pharisees, and yet we're not seeking and saving the lost. Uh, it's easy as a pastor in a church to love on people and deal with people who are connected to our church and to not reach out beyond that. Just being honest. So have you insulated yourself in a way that you're being religious, yet we're not going, which is the whole reason we're looking at this whole year being called, reach out. Um, Or are you being like Jesus? And I would assume some of you are because I know your stories. Are you seeking and saving the lost? (laughs) And I don't necessarily know what that looks like. I have some ideas for me, uh, but it's all a matter of what that looks like for you. Um, As we talked about this reach out idea, we have a strip club not more than a mile, mile and a half away from our church. It would be intriguing if we showed up with flowers at the end of their shift. What else could we do? Who else do we need to engage with? So that is where we land as we come to communion because really the ball is in my court the ball is in your court the ball is in our court how do we respond to this story how do we go so i'm going to pray we're going to take communion in the in the cups there's two cups and the bottom is the bread and the top is the juice um as jesus sat around the table at passover Before he did that, John tells us he washed his disciples' feet to help them to know that you have to serve to be in his kingdom. And then he broke bread and said, This is my body and this is my blood. Putting behind all of the history of Israel so that they understood that as they took that piece of bread and that cup of juice, He was the sacrifice for them to be sons of Abraham, to be forgiven of their sins, and empowering them to go. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to respond. Lord, I thank you. for silly songs that you taught us when we were little. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And I thank you for um, the stories that your followers have passed down from generation to generation that we have in your scripture. Uh, I thank you for this story that sort of reaches out of the pages and grabs us by the shirt and shakes us a little bit. May you challenge us with the life of Zacchaeus. May you challenge us with the way that your son lived. And may we accept that challenge and live lives worthy of your forgiveness producing fruit it's in your son's name we pray